Organic farming is steadily increasing. That's good. Pour parler d'agriculture et d'Europe à la jeunesse. Le climat-wandel erfasst immer weitere Teile der Welt. Farmers help us bring nature back and preserve biodiversity. Ceux qui sont dans le rouge s'en sortent quand ils font plus vert. La qualité dans ce pays, elle doit être là pour tous. Welcome to Food for Europe. Our ninth episode looks at the European Union's approach to the World Trade Organization's Ministerial Conference, MC12 as it's known, from an agricultural perspective. What's at stake, the points of contention and prospects for resolving the disputes hampering the WTO from functioning. What's discussed and agreed, or disagreed, at MC12 could impact farmers and food producers substantially, both in Europe and around the world. And that impact will trickle down all the way to us, the consumer. I invited my German and French co-presenters, Patrick and Anne, to share a WTO breakfast. French, you petit déjeun. The Belgian, they déjeun normally, but they, <laughs> the French, they have the petit déjeun, and then they really déjeun. We déjeun yes, twice. exactly. <laughs> but it's interesting to think that these things are coming from places I've never been to, never seen with my own eyes. I suppose one of the things we do get that's local is milk. But, you know, in thinking about my WTO breakfast, it came to me that trade means things travel an awful long way. More on milk a little later. Now, our daily breakfast table demonstrates the ubiquity of the global trade system. But the WTO is an organization where agreement is one commodity in short supply. For the European Union, this ministerial conference is a chance to push for openings in the global trade system and to strengthen the WTO itself. I asked John Clark, International Director of the European Commission's Directorate General for Agriculture and Rural Development, for his perspective on the talks, and whether getting agreement among the EU27 is any less difficult than reaching common ground at the WTO. Always we're going to WTO ministerial meetings with a, with a common, unified EU position agreed in advance by the Council, so we don't, we don't display our differences. Uh, but we have a united front, and that's our strength. Um, you know, g given that in the European Union we we find um, compromise and common positions, that puts us in a very strong position when it comes to negotiating in Gen Geneva. We are normally in in the centre, a voice of moderation, and a, and we understand where the compromises can be found. That all sounds very hopeful, but what's the main obstacle you're up against? What are you trying to change? In the last few years, we've seen um, India. Uh, China and more recently the USA spending tens of billions of uh, dollars in trade distorting subsidies to their farmers uh, which uh, distorts uh, world markets, distorts prices and actually in increases food insecurity for other countries. So in other words they're doing what the EU used to do? I would not say we're in a comfortable position but others are in a far more uncomfortable position. Um, the issue on the, on, the, on the table for negotiations is about uh, reducing trade distorting farm subsidies. That's the, the big ticket uh, negotiating item. And on, on that, uh, the EU have, has, of course, reformed comprehensively its, um, its agricultural subsidies over the last 20 years. Almost all of our support 
um, through the, the CAP is, uh, is non-trade distorting uh, direct income support to farmers, has no impact on prices or production. So we've reformed our system. Others have gone in the other direction. The WTO has often come under attack in recent years, not least from America, which you could argue inspired the modern multilateral global trading system. Is the WTO on its last legs? Is it worth the political investment? Will it survive? Well, you know, it's very fashionable to write off the WTO, and and, uh, we've been doing this year in, year out for some years. But let's look at the situation more more soberly. I think the last couple of years has, has... shown uh, as all in the WTO with with the recession, with COVID, with um, increase in poverty, food insecurity, uh, that uh, we need to work together on the multilateral level collectively to to, to actually um, uh, make make uh, beneficial change. And of course, the USA is now back in the in the game as a serious uh, multilateral actor, which it wasn't, you know, during the Trump uh, period. So I think we're all going to the ministerial conference with a, with a genuine desire uh, to to have a success and get the WTO back on its feet and demonstrate that uh, multilateralism is worth uh, fighting for. Oh, and while you're here, what's your WTO breakfast? I just came back from two weeks in, in Italy. I was studying Italian and uh, my, my breakfast routine has improved uh, immeasurably. Uh, a very good, strong double espresso and some uh, more sweet things. John Clark there, one of the European Commission's lead negotiators in agricultural trade. Now, the dairy sector is one of the EU's good news stories, agriculturally speaking, and that's thanks, in part, to decisions taken by the WTO. In the ever-growing global market for milk, cheese and yoghurt, the EU now exports three times the volume of dairy products it exported in the 1990s. A WTO decision to scrap export subsidies has made the EU more competitive and opened markets. We went to Luxembourg to visit Luxley, a dairy cooperative, to find out more. Marketing manager Paul Lutgen is showing us around. We get about half a million litres of milk arriving here every day. We turn it into butter, cream, yogurt and so on. From the moment we put the milk into the container until the pallet arrives in the courtroom, all that is automated. And we also have a system of buffer zones. That means if a problem arises, we can manage it without having to stop all the other machines. Every day we do around 1,500 analyses, which is an enormous number, all to guarantee the highest quality of our products. Here we're in the packaging area. All our containers show information in several languages so that we can use the same packaging for export in French, German, Dutch and English. For companies like Luxley, so tied to both the EU's common agricultural policy and the conduct of global commerce under the WTO, Success or failure for the EU at the WTO can mean success or failure for the company and its suppliers. Gilles Gérard is Luxley's chief executive. 
Today, if you ask someone what they think of when they think of Luxembourg, they say banks, insurance, funds. But first and foremost, Luxembourg is a country of farmers. We produce 400 million litres of milk every year, which is not bad for such a small country. We have a serious problem with our surplus here, so we have no choice but to export. And where do you export to? Luxley exports 65% of its finished products. Our exports are increasing year on year. Outside of the EU, the main markets are China and African countries. What's your perspective on the World Trade Organization Ministerial Conference? I want to see the European Union imposing common rules at the global level. Let me explain. We're under many obligations, whether to do with the environment, animal welfare, sustainability. So you want to scrap those rules? I think they're great, but these rules place obligations on us, and costs too. And that makes us less competitive. So I think that these regulations need to be imposed globally, and not only in Europe. We'll be back at Luxley before the end of the programme. Now, one person who doesn't have much time for breakfast at the moment is Jean-Marie Pogam, formerly the French ambassador to the WTO and now the organization's deputy director general. Anticipating and reacting to the political currents that dominate a meeting like MC12, especially as the conference approaches, leaves little time for a leisurely croissant and café au lait. But I asked Monsieur Pogam about why agriculture is such an important element of this ministerial conference and where the battle lines are likely to be drawn. Three quarters of our membership are still very dependent, at least for the struggle against poverty, but also for uh, the development of their exports on agriculture. So they, there is a debate about how do we move forward in reducing, uh, re reducing um, domestic subsidies. In this debate, uh, one complication from the last 10 years is that uh, some countries, uh, led by India, ask for some sort of carve-out uh, in, in the discipline on subsidies for the programs that they have for food security. So this is a very legitimate uh, concern, which is understood by everyone. The question is, how do you safeguard the impact of those programs on the trade of other countries? And this is a much tougher debate. And how does Europe figure in that debate as a previous champion of subsidised production and price supports? What credibility does it have to shape the debate on trade in agricultural commodities? All in all, I think Europe is seen as a constructive partner, still very sensitive and cautious on some aspects of its agricultural policy, but not overall uh, defensive as it was 20 years ago. It's a different story when it comes to market access, where the uh, level of tariff uh, on agricultural products is very high, at least from a WTO point of view. But in reality, a lot of it has been tackled through bilateral agreements, by a free trade agreement from the European Union that it has been negotiated. You've moved from representing France to being an international civil servant in the institution. How does it feel working for the WTO at such a critical moment when its usefulness and purpose are constantly being called into question? It has to be understood where the responsibility lies in the, in the end. So the Secretariat of the WTO cannot force any consensus. on. Um, it's, not, um, it's not a supranational institution. Sometimes... People imagine that the Secretariat of the WTO is a little bit like the European Commission. No, the European Commission has a monopoly of initiative for regulation. We do not have any 
power of initiative in the Secretariat of the WTO, we are in the hand of our members. We are a structure of uh, intergovernmental cooperation, not a, not a ever closer union. That was Jean-Marie Pogam, Deputy Director General of the WTO. And our thanks to him for his time at such a busy moment in his life. Now I'm joined by Ignacio Garcia, a senior European Commission official responsible for trade negotiations with third parties, to get his take on MC12 and how he's looking at this intense period of trading in ideas and positions. Firstly, what's your WTO breakfast? I have a very simple breakfast. I eat uh, toast and coffee. So I don't think a lot about the WTO when I have in my breakfast. I relax uh, and I start thinking about the WTO after I finish my breakfast. Well, I can understand that because the discord in the WTO must be giving you some headaches. What are your priorities for Geneva? One is how to make uh, the WTO a more dynamic forum for negotiations. One is to look into how to enhance the monitoring role of the WTO. But also one needs to look into how to reform the WTO dispute settlement system. From our point of view, it is very clear. It is fundamental to, to find a way to restore the functioning of the appellate body. But that is not going to be possible without a package of reforms. Right. The appellate body is effectively the WTO court, just to remind our listeners. John Clark told us earlier that America is a serious player again at the WTO. But it's America that's blocking new appointments to the appellate body, so it can't function. What we hope is that the United States, together with all members of the WTO, will be ready to engage in the discussions that will be necessary to identify what that package of reform consists of. This is not something which is going to be done to, at the ministerial conference, but we think that this is a package that sh- should be ready for the next ministerial conference. So we have ahead of us two years to try to identify how the WTO should be reformed and how we should be able to have, again, a functioning dispute settlement system. That sounds suspiciously like talks about talks. Is it going to be the same delicate, non-committal situation when it comes to agriculture? I think what is very important on agriculture is that we need to be realistic. Uh, the issues at stake uh, uh, on the reform of domestic support are very complex. And the positions of the key players, the United States, China, India, at this point uh, are very far apart. So if you actually try to, to achieve too much at this point in time, the risk is that you achieve nothing. That was Ignacio Garcia from DG Trade at the European Commission. By the way, we did ask ambassadors from Senegal, Brazil and Côte d'Ivoire to take part in this programme to provide the perspective of a developing country. Alas, no luck. Meanwhile, back to Luxley in Luxembourg, where it seems milking the country's cows is actually the easy part. It's what to do with it and how to make it end up on an increasing number of breakfast tables around the world that is giving Gilles Gérard plenty to think about. The amount of milk delivered by our farmers has increased by more than 35%, so we are obliged to push into export markets. This is a heavy burden for us. These markets are extremely competitive and the surplus production is problematic for us and for others in the agribusiness value chain. Can you survive in the long run? If China, which heavily subsidizes production, can place products on the market without the constraints that we have, we're at risk of catastrophe. So the European Union must engage with the rest of the world to promote its rules, or at least to oblige other countries to operate on the same level as those in Europe. 
Well, we milked that visit for all it was worth, speaking as a lay man. Enough puns for now. If I use them all, I won't have any left for subsequent podcasts. That's this episode of Food for Europe wrapped up. But Paul Anderson will be back soon for a look at food security in Europe at a time of unpredictable supply chains. My thanks to my guests and to my breakfast companions, and good luck to those negotiating and managing the negotiations in Geneva. This conference matters, whatever you have for your WTO breakfast. Organic farming is steadily increasing. That's good. Pour parler d'agriculture et d'Europe à la jeunesse. The climate change affects ever wider parts of the world. Farmers help us bring nature back and preserve biodiversity. Ceux qui sont dans le rouge s'en sortent quand ils font plus vert. La qualité dans ce pays, elle doit être là pour tous. 